Let's um, uh, move forward to, uh, to God's Word, and uh, Maggie is going to, uh, to bring us God's Word. First reading from the Old Testament uh, is about a man called Naaman, who uh, was a very powerful and an important man, but uh, he had leprosy. And uh, then a servant girl said, why don't you, uh, you go to Elisha and... Uh, And uh, his God may heal you. And so he went. And it was obvious that he was expecting something complicated. Something dramatic. Something difficult that he'd got to do. But let's hear what happened as uh, Maggie reads to us. Thank you, Maggie. And we can follow it on the screen as well. Oh, sorry, I forgot to say, you need microphone. Where's the microphone gone? Can you multitask? Of course you can. You're a woman, aren't you? Do you want me to hold it for you? You'll be fine. Okay, the first reading is from 2 Kings, chapter 5, reading from verses 9 to 14. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent out a messenger to him. Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and thought, I thought he'd surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went out to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, Wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. No, it's okay. So uh, all he had to do was just dip in the water in the local river. He had come from bigger and better rivers. And he had to dip in there and then he was cleansed. Something very simple, a bit too simple for him. And when we think about prayer, prayer is basically very simple. It's just speaking to God and, and listening to God. And sometimes we can overcomplicate things. You know, we can get uh, people doing this business when you, you just have to say a simple thank you, Lord, for grace. And sometimes it's just to uh, notice and rejoice the simple joy that we can speak and listen to the creator of the universe, that prayer is simple, and do the simple things like Naaman eventually learned to do. And there's great rejoicing and great healing. The second reading, which Maggie will also read, is from the New Testament. And just some instruction from, uh, from Jesus about, uh, about prayer. And uh, just the simplicity of coming before the Lord. Thank you, Maggie. Maggie. 
The second reading is from Matthew, chapter 7, reading from verses 7 to 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for a bed, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus' instructions are very simple. Ask, seek, and knock. And then uh, you'll find and things will be given to you. Now there's lots that we could say about um, unanswered prayer or, or prayer that's answered in a different way. But the basics of this reading is that God won't play games with us. If your son asks for a bread, will you give him a stone? Even uh, an earthly parent wouldn't do that. Now, Heavenly Father won't play games with you in prayer. It's basically very simple. You come before the Lord, as Colin has just led us in our prayers of intercession, and we can ask, and and that door will be open, the door of, of our hearts, that the Lord will come in and, well, there'll be changes. He'll do things to, uh, to, uh, alter our lives and we can seek him and we can find him in prayer and we can ask and things will be given maybe not the things that we were expecting but God will hear our prayers and answer them according to his will and his mercy and his timing so let's rejoice in the simplicity of prayer and the joy of prayer and the power of prayer There was a, a little lad who wanted a puppy. And so he said to his dad, Dad, can I have a puppy? And his dad said, No, son, I'm sorry, you can't. But if you pray hard enough, you may have a brother or sister. I'm not sure he was overjoyed by that. But, um... And so the little lad prayed for a month, a good month but then stopped. A month after that, his dad joyfully uh, took him to the hospital and there his mum was there, not with just one baby, but with two babies. And his dad said to him, aren't you glad that you prayed for a brother or sister? And the boy said, well, yes. But aren't you glad I stopped when I did? (laughs) I don't think it's a true story, but who cares? It's a bit of fun. And uh, it just illustrates something of prayer, but, but if we're not careful, it illustrates something that's not terribly helpful. Because there, the father was playing games with the son. 
that he was saying, pray for a brother or sister, but he already knew that um, his wife was expecting a baby. And so he was, as if prayer wasn't real, it's just a, a nice thing to do, perhaps. And we can fall into that trap. And I've said before that there's a temptation that we say, oh, I'll be thinking about you, rather than I'll be praying for you. And this morning, I just want to tell you the simple thing remind you of the simple thing that prayer can change things and also prayer can change us prayer can change things what we pray for but also as we pray prayer can change us let's do the, uh, the uh, prayer changing us first to say grace before meals it's easy not to do it but it's also easy to do it. It's simple. I think it's a good thing to do. I think it's uh, helpful to just um, uh, that we all start eating at the same time. It can be nice like that. But also just to recognize what I said earlier, just a simple thanksgiving that we have something to eat. It's easy to take that for granted, easy to moan that there's all sorts of things going wrong, but... At least we've got something to eat and rejoice in that and give God the thanks. And that can change us as we perhaps do it day by day, meal by meal. I know that for some of you it's difficult because you meet in a household where some of uh, you are Christians, some are not. But uh, maybe they won't mind or, or maybe just to bow your heads and say silently, Maybe you're out at work or in a restaurant. You can just pause for a moment. You don't have to go, da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. Although it might be quite fun, mightn't it, as you sit there in Subway or wherever you, you go. Perhaps try it one time. It's simple, but I think can be powerful and effective. And for those of you with children, it can, it can I think, teach them something important. Naaman changed just with that simple act that he did. And prayer can change us. There was a sad story recently of a soldier who had sadly uh, been injured in war and he'd lost a leg. And he was hobbling off to church to a healing meeting and he overheard some nasty people laughing and saying, Oh, does he expect God to grow another leg? What a horrible thing to say. But he heard it and he turned and, and went up to them and said, No, I don't. But I expect and hope God just to help me to cope with my disability. A powerful thing that God can change us. And as we pray, we can become more Christ-like, more like the people that God wants us to be. So prayer can change us. I'd recommend it. But also prayer can change things, what we pray for. Some of you may have heard of uh, George Muller. I don't think that's his actual name. And um, if Sousa was here, being as she speaks German, I think it's um, Muller or something. But I'll just call him George. And it's not George, it's some German. Because he was a German. But I'll call him George Muller. 
And, um, uh, and don't tell her that I corrupted this guy's name. Anyway, he was born um, in the 19th century in, in Germany. His father was a tax collector out there. And he had a, a curious way of trying to teach his children. He had uh, George and a brother. He gave them lots of the money that he collected his taxes uh, to, to get them to count it and to deal with it so that uh, they wouldn't be tempted in the future for, um, uh, with money. It failed. And the boys devised clever st- schemes how they could steal the father's money and, um, that he collected and his father got into trouble with it. George grew up uh, to be a bad person. His mother died when he was 14 and he was just playing cards downstairs as his mother died. The next day he just went to the pub with his mates. He was not a nice lad. He went to school and uh, the teacher had this on his school report. George has great promise, but drinking and debauchery continued to cancel these things out. They don't make school reports like that nowadays, do they? But you wonder, well, maybe they do, I don't know. Uh, um, uh, but uh, you would get the impression that he was not a good lad. He went to university. Things didn't get better. He was going out with a, a girl called um, Betta, which is an interesting name. She changed. She found faith. And he was interested, and he said, can I come along with you? There was a Saturday night Bible study and and prayer meeting. She tried to put him off, because he knew that he would disrupt things. He wouldn't like it, and he'd mess about, and and she didn't want him to come. But he insisted. And so George went, and there was Bible, there was hymns, there was a sermon and prayer. George was particularly moved by people praying, just by people praying. And as he walked home, he said, All we have seen and all our former pleasures are nothing in comparison to this evening. It was just a simple service. And that night, George became a Christian, aged 20. The power of prayer. He felt called to, uh, by God and he eventually ended up in Britain and in Bristol. You may know his story. There's a film that has been made of it, but you may not know. He uh, searched for his calling and then eventually found his calling in starting an orphanage in Bristol. It wasn't an easy life for him. He got married and, uh, but sadly, his son died when, uh, when his son was only one. Later on, his wife died, and he got married again, and she died. Uh, he outlived two wives. And he, but he trust, put his trust in God. Now, you may think this was an odd thing after these tragedies, but he really felt that God was calling him to, uh, to make these orphanages. Where was the money to come from? Well, he believed that God would provide it. He didn't have big campaigns. He didn't have fundraising. He said, I'll just pray and the money will come in. 
It's a little bit similar to, uh, to Agape, which we've, uh, we've supported, the orphanage in South Africa. They don't have a website. They don't do lots of things like that. Anyway, back to George. Great responsibility. And he started the orphanage, and money did come in. But it wasn't easy. And this is George's account of one morning. One morning, the plates and cups and bowls on the table were empty. There was no food in the larder and no money to buy food. The children were standing waiting for their morning meal when Muller said, let's say grace. Now, I don't think he got them to click their fingers. But what a powerful thing to do. It's easy perhaps to say grace as the food is steaming on the table and you're expecting to eat. You've got all these children there and there was nothing to eat. But in faith, he said grace and he said this. Well, first of all, he introduced by saying, Children, you know that we must be in time for school. And so let us pray. Dear Father, we thank thee for what thou art going to give us to eat. And then they waited. And there was a knock on the door. The baker stood there and said, Mr. Muller, I couldn't sleep last night. Somehow I felt that you didn't have bread for breakfast and the Lord wanted me to send you some. So I got up at 2 a.m. and baked some fresh bread and I brought it. Muller thanked the man. And the children ate. No sooner had this transpired when there was a second knock at the door. It was a milkman. He announced that his milk cart had broken down right in front of the orphanage. And he would like to give the children his cans of fresh milk so that he could empty his wagon and then repair it. No wonder, years later, when Muller was to travel the world as an evangelist, he would be heralded as the man who gets things from God. There's lots of other stories like that of uh, when his faith was on the line, but God provided. And although this is back in the Victorian times, in total it's estimated that one and a half million pounds was brought in, which I don't know what that translates to nowadays. Over 10,000 orphans went through his orphanages. He was a Christian man who wanted to look for them, but also that they should come to faith, and 3,000 of them did. And he wrote down his answers to prayer, like that one. And apparently there's 50,000 answers to prayer. And as the elders have been discussing prayer in this church, we've said that often we ask for prayer, and and Steve wonderfully sends around texts for prayer, and Elaine sends around prayer requests, and we write prayers in the book, but seldom do we actually write down or hear about the answers to prayer, which do come. When he, we, he did, and there was 50,000 of them. Let's rejoice in these people of faith, these great stories of prayer, an answer to prayer, but sometimes... Maybe it can be a bit intimidating. Oh, it's okay for him, a great man of God. But what about the ordinary? That's not a very good invitation, Lynn, is it? Calling you ordinary. But I hope, could you come out? This is um, Lynn on an ordinary day's work. 
what happened last week. And, um, and as we think of this whole life discipleship and how God is with us all the time. Lynn, oh no, you can't do that, can you? You can stand here and thank you. Well, it actually happened Wednesday morning. Um, I was on an early duty at work, and one of my early duties was to open up the site, to unlock all the doors, to make it all accessible to everyone. Well, anyhow, I got on with my duties and did that. And a bit later on, the handyman came to me and said, Lynn, have you got the keys? They're not on the hook. And I said, no, I said, I opened up this morning, but I thought I'd put the keys back. No, they weren't there. Well, for about the next two hours, I was searching for the master keys to the site. Couldn't find them everywhere. I was backtracking. I was looking in dustbins, anywhere I could think of. By now, I was almost in tears because I knew these were a very, very important set of keys. So in the end, I decided there was nothing else I could do but pray about this. I was at work, and I can't believe I did this. I went into the ladies' loo, sat down on the toilet, and sat and prayed. I had hands together, eyes closed, and I just prayed. I said to God, would you please help me? If you know where these keys are, would you please reveal it to me? Please, 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 by now. There were tears streaming down my face, and I was sat on the toilet. Well, within a few minutes, the word handbag came into my head. So I quickly jumped up from the toilet, went into my handbag, and praise be, there were the keys in my handbag. Now, I think what had happened was, I'd come in in the morning, put my handbag and my car keys on my desk, picked up the master keys, opened up the site, and then when I came back into the office, I must have put my car keys and the site keys in my handbag. So to me, it was like a revelation. He revealed to me where the keys were. With that, I dropped to my knees in my office, and I said, oh, thank you, thank you, because I knew I was going to be in big trouble from my manager if I couldn't find them. And it was like, wow, I couldn't believe that had happened to me. I hadn't even given my handbag a first or second thought. I had no idea where I'd put these keys. But for me, that was God hearing my prayer and God in action on that morning. Now, it may have been just been a coincidence, and you could say that, but isn't it amazing how when you pray, coincidences seem to happen a lot more. You could call it a God-incidence. Maybe it was a coincidence that the baker happened to turn up at the orphanage when they hadn't got any money. It's possible. But it's strange that when we pray, coincidences happen more. Last week, I, uh, weekend, I wasn't here as at um, uh, a young people's assembly. And uh, I'd been invited there just to pray for it. And, and I haven't got time to tell you uh, the, the stories, but it was interesting. When we prayed, things happened. Good things happened in the, in the youth assembly. Maybe it was just coincidences. 
But how interesting, when we pray, coincidences tend to happen more and more. And we want to promote prayer, to ask and seek and knock. And so over the, uh, the coming weeks, we want to encourage you to pray. Maybe saying grace before meals, maybe in other times. On the first Saturday of the month, between 9 and 10, there's a prayer meeting here. But also, as Steve already mentioned a little, through Lent, we want to do a prayer relay. It's Olympic year, isn't it? And there'll be uh, relays going on. We're going to do a prayer relay. And so what we want to, to do, there's a list out on there in the foyer, is put your name down for a day. Could be for a couple of days if if you want to, um, uh, but space them out. And what you need to do is to pray sometime during that day for as long as you feel uh, led to pray in a place that you feel led to, and then to phone up or to contact the next person in the list and said, "Right, it's over to you now." And so for those days of Lent, there will be a constant prayer. Is that okay? So put your names down there. We'll give you more guidance about um, uh, sort of what to pray, but it's, it's in your own home or wherever you want to be, and, uh, and then be good to get together, all sorts of things. Over the Holy Week, the, the week before Easter Sunday, this is going to be transformed into prayer stations, different uh, um, items of prayer as we go around. If you want to uh, be involved in creating one of those, see Vanda. We can't ask you to uh, her to stand up because she's teaching. But Ron, you stand up. And um, this isn't Vanda, but um, but he but he he knows Vanda, don't you, Ron? Yes. And um, and uh, and then in the foyer, there's going to be uh, um, uh, the treats coffee shop, but not staffed by the normal treats people and so there's lists there we're looking for volunteers morning and evening to actually staff that so that people can come have a cup of, uh, of tea or coffee but then come in here the, the public, every, anybody can come and just be led in prayer as we come towards Easter let's focus on prayer and see how God can change us and change what we pray for Thanks be to God for this message.